Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey kids, we're taking a few weeks off between Shatterglass and The Will of the Empress. But this week, we had the chance to once again sit down with Joan Cummins and Rebecca Spees of the Tortolan Knights podcast, this time to talk with them about The Circle Opens and our experiences reading Breyer's book during the pandemic. What follows is the conversation and chaos that ensued. Enjoy. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. Brittany's voting. And I'm Goodwin. And today we're talking to Joan Cummins and Rebecca Spees from Portalid Nights, Emelon Days. Again. <laughs> Part <Wow>. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. We're excited to be back. I understand you guys have just finished The Circle Opens. Yes. Mm-hmm. I missed my part because you, not... you, you missed your line. Okay, you I was like, are we cheese. are we talking now? <laughs> so grab your cup of coffee. Or tea. Or your drink of choice. And let's talk to captivating courtiers. That was not correct. Courtiers? Courtiers? Close enough. We'll roll with it. We I'm never not... know how to handle ourselves when somebody's missing. Yeah. Hello. It's good to have you back. Hello. It is good to be back. Thank you guys for having us. Yeah, we just finished reading Shatterglass. um, And we wanted to talk to you guys about The Circle Opens. But before we get there, we first have to talk about Briar's book. Because the (laughs) last time we talked to you, we had not quite finished Dodger's book. Yeah, And reading Briar's book in 2021 was a trip. (laughs) Yes, we read it in April of 2020, and we fully had to be like, you know what, we're going to do a bonus episode this week, because we need another minute before we read this book about a pandemic and the people trying to stop it. 
in April of 2020 took us a minute to sort of catch back up to that um yeah and I we had think, to like fully collect ourselves <laughs> right. not exactly an easy thing to talk about at any no point, and we had just, just read Dasha's book while Australia was on fire it was really it was kind of distressing actually yeah <laughs> yeah yes. the question is is Tammy a prophetess right <laughs> like were we somehow keyed into some, you know, greater circles at work? Who knows? But yeah, it was definitely a very odd, surreal, often really like heartbreaking kind of time to read it. Cause like, you know, April of 2020, it had, we were all sort of in this like, this is going on longer than we expected. Like, this is a lot worse than we expected. Um, and, you know, we are sort of living that arc of a pandemic as they are going through this, you know, fantasy pandemic in Briar's book. Lark and Rosethorn both have these really heartbreaking moments of kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum where I think Rosethorn, like somebody steals like medicine or bandage the medicine. Yes, yeah. The medicine. And like, I remember we were both just like really hit by that moment in particular because like obviously there were shortages happening and you know seeing all of these things play out in real life and having those those parallels were was very eerie I think the thing that stuck out sticks out the most to me in thinking about it again in like going back to thinking about reading it at that time and that experience Mm. is that in Breyer's book, like it takes them a while to come up with this, but they come up with this thing that makes it visually apparent Mm. whether anyone has the disease or not. There's like a thumbprint on your forehead that changes color. Mm. And I think nobody ever got to that level of certainty with COVID. And I think that made a big, it's it's a huge difference between the Mm -hmm. fantasy version and the real world version. Because I think part of what so many people found so stressful. They are finding so stressful about COVID is the uncertainty. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that because obviously in a kid's fantasy book, you can be like, ah, yes, we now have the tools that we, we fixed it. We fixed it. <laughs> that obviously don't have quite one-to-one in you know modern epidemiology. Especially because COVID is so, like there's such variance. So like I got COVID in November, 2020. And for me, it felt like a mild case of strep. Mm. Uh, But like, I know Goodwin had family who got COVID and they were much sicker than I was. And I got it. I've like straight up thought I was going to die. (laughs) Yeah. Flu and strep on top of it. Oh my gosh. Jesus, I'm so sorry. I I passed all of my tests. Wow. Not proud of me, though. (laughs) (laughs) I got straight A's in the worst subjects. Yes. (laughs) Straight A's in, I got the bug. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think also reading Briar's book, it was definitely like, okay, we have to acknowledge the weirdness that we're living in and that we're sitting in. And experiencing because like, you know, there's all sorts of other stuff going on at that time for various reasons. And it was sort of like, first thing off the bat, this is weird. But I also remember like finding the moments of the other stuff that we had been talking about with with the Circle of Magic books. Like 
we got to talk about like Tris and Nico and, you know, the different parts of all of the different kids and the, you know, those arcs that they went on that really come to fruition in Briar's book. So it was sort of a balance of like, yes, this really awful, weird thing is happening, but, you know, we can still also talk about these books that we really, you know, that we really love. And it was my job to do the jewel box for that episode. And it was very difficult, but I think it came out pretty good. Yeah. It was your, it was a tree poem, right? Yeah. I wrote a poem about the, the tree. I have a tree in the front of my house and the tree in the back, in the back of my house. And I wrote a poem about those two trees, which felt briar shaped to me. Yeah. We ended up adding an additional section. So we break our episodes into three sections and we added a section 0.75 before (laughs) we got into the rest, which was let's talk about all of the stuff in this chapter that feels really, really real right now. Mm. And it was just like people wearing masks and quarantine and all of the like trying to find a cure and all the uncertainty. And that that was kind of how we dealt with it. Yeah. Do you feel like it was for lack of a better word, helpful to you to read the book during this circumstance? Personally, I think so. But I have some some severe ties to Briar's book anyway, because the first time I read it, my great-grandmother just passed away from mm. cancer. So like, I already had those ties to it. And then uh, when we decided we were going to do this, I pretty much reread all of the series like in one go. Mm. And I remember texting Molly at one point, and uh, it was exactly when Rose Thorne got sick. I had to stop because I was like crying. Yeah. <laughs> I was incapable of being a normal human being for like 45 minutes. Yeah. COVID, I know for me personally, it made me feel alone because we had to stay away from these people that we love and that we've seen every day and we lost two people in 2020 like or I lost two people we all lost one together it made me feel less alone even though I was surrounded by all of these people who love me and like we were still doing this every week and still talking to each other but like I don't know it helped me I don't know if reading Briar's book specifically helped but I know for me, like the podcast as a whole did. What I remember as being like particularly unique is Brittany and Indy and I started recording in January of 2020. And our plan was like, we're going to get a couple episodes ahead and then uh, start releasing in like March. And so we had like released our first two or three episodes when we went to lockdown. And so... Indy and I were like, hey, we should do a reading for lockdown, but not from Sandry's book, from that other one that Brittany hasn't read yet. Then like we got Goodwin in on it and just meeting every week and having to come together. Mm. Um, it definitely helped with the isolation and helped helped feel helped me feel less isolated. Um And I guess to some degree, reading Briar's book specifically was nice because it was almost like, here's some instructions for how to deal with it. 
And obviously, Legit. like, we're not the best case scenario. <laughs> Rose Thorne is involved. <laughs> right. Yeah. Here's yeah. what Rose, you do. <laughs> Rose Thorne and Crane are sitting in their little lab, like, bickering at each other, but also getting the but cure there's, also, there's so much in this book about like the way you treat other people and like being patient to other people and being kind and loving and i think that was a really good thing to read at the time that we were going through it yeah Brittany, you were uh, voting wild Brittany has appeared. sorry guys you have to do your line voting snip. yes how, how dare you <laughs> now you have Everything. to do your civic duty so the question Brittany, is do you feel like Breyer's book helped you get through the pandemic? Like reading Breyer's book? I, I think yes and no. No being that uh, we're reading things to try to escape the world. And oh. we're reading something and the world was facing you still in this book. And so it was it was kind of hard. Yeah. Hard going through it and yeah. still reading what you're going through currently. Is like, whew, this is tough. This is real tough. But at the same time, it was nice to see that even though life can be hard, that there's a way to manage. A nice little guide on how to try to deal with said epidemic. So I don't know. A little bit of both, I feel. I know that for me, kind of like what you said, Molly, it wasn't so much the book but the whole process of doing the podcast because it sucked like I was so used to you know we would always meet on Fridays hang out see people during the day and just the sudden change of like well if you were responsible like you're supposed to be right not seeing a bunch of people not going out you know only when necessary yeah just doing the podcast I thought was really helpful I also think the book helped just in like before 2020, when you thought of a pandemic, like you'd think of like maybe like the Black Death, right? And then like the scares we kind of had with like SARS and H1N1, that other stuff. But it was so like separated and far away from what we were going through. And then like reading the book and seeing the actual steps that you're supposed to take to like prevent the pandemic from spreading and stuff was. I remember was, thinking like, wow, this is incredibly well-researched. Someone talked to an epidemiologist. Yeah. They made a plan. Yeah. 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 No. And I, I think like, at least on my end, I have a very vivid memory of there's a part in the book where Lark is talking about like, essentially it, it boiled down to, we are getting out of this pandemic on the other side. What we, what everything will look like who knows, but, you know, on the whole, everything is going to be okay, which, you know, it's in a book for 12 year olds. So that sort of everything's going to be okay is a little like, is it all going to be okay? Maybe not. But I found that part very, if not comforting, at least grounding a little bit. And I, I mean, this is a window into where my brain was at the time. Like my spouse had just broken their leg and so like I was dealing with that like right as everything shut down and so I was not sleeping we had to record this podcast and like the book I was listening to like at the time when I couldn't sleep was about the black death which like is incredibly morbid and very strange when you think about it but I was like guys we made in here before we've done this before <laughs> and so yeah. those sort of moments in both Breyer's book and in other stuff that I was sort of consuming at the time 
it definitely, even if it wasn't helpful or like, you know, made me feel better, at least it like put both of my feet on the ground, which so we had a, I remember that you and I Spies had a conversation about the episode yeah. because I am not a person who likes to be told it's all going to be okay when it's probably not going to be okay. Yeah. And so I was very coming at it. Like, I don't want to tell people it's going to be okay because we don't know. And that's, I don't want to be lying to them. Yeah. But I think, you know, it was just interesting that we had such a different experience of looking Mm -hmm. for that in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I realized, yeah, I remember that, that it was that conversation. It's like, we don't know. We don't know what's happening, but like what we were both taking away from the same parts of the book could be so different. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, like the only difference in my life was that I had to wear a mask because I still had to go to work. And the only difference for me was I had to wear a mask and I didn't get to meet up with my friends on Fridays. I still got to see my friend, part of my friends through the podcast, which was nice. I didn't get to see everyone, but uh, I don't know, the pandemic for me, uh, everyone was like, oh, it's so, we're stuck at home. I was like, oh, uh, okay, well, that's not for me. I have to to work. work. Doing the podcast was nice being able to see everyone that I normally didn't get to see, but it was like business as usual for me, basically. So the essential worker. uh, Yay, but I didn't get paid as an essential worker. So we're off for that. (laughs) We definitely had a lot of conversations about essential workers while we were reading Briar's book. Yeah. One of the things that I remember really vividly is there's a scene where Briar asks Triss to like bring plants when he and Rose Thorne are still in quarantine. And so Triss gathers a bunch of plants and like gets a ride into town. She gets there and they're upset because like they don't get to see each other because she just has to leave them on the doorstep and go away. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I left them on the doorstep. Uh, Hope you get them. When I had COVID, like that was what it was. I would call my parents and be like, hi, can you bring me rice and pickles or whatever? And (laughs) basically like give them my grocery list. And then they would like drop the the box or the bag on the porch and then go to their car and call and be like, it's on the porch. And you'd like wave at a distance. Yeah. Right. And I actually had COVID during Thanksgiving. And so we had, we had like a weird COVID Thanksgiving where they brought me, like they prepared their Thanksgiving dinner and they brought, they like packaged everything for me in little containers and they brought it to me in a basket. And then uh, we like had Thanksgiving over Zoom while I was in my little. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. It's like, hey, we adapt, right? Like as humans, we figure out ways over and around and over zoom I think the thing in the book that I wish that we had so Joan mentioned like it would have it might have been nice if we had the little like thumbprint so we know who has it and who doesn't the thing I wish that we had are the like human essences that they use to find the cure Oh. oh I thought of those like um HeLa cells Oh, oh yeah we were, we were trying to figure out like is there a real world version of this it might be the hela cells <laughs> yeah i i assumed they were like cell lines okay that you okay. could extrapolate this one's blood and that one's lymph and the other one is plasma 
I don't know what I thought plasma they just is, juiced, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I thought they just juiced a human into like a bowl. Yeah, just like, <laughs> like sieve them down, like through, put them through the sieve. Like, well, if we're practicing homeopathy rules, it would really just be like one atom of human in a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. Just dip them in the water. Just a little poop. Well, I do love the story that they tell about like basically creating these human essences because they talk about having been at Lightsbridge and spent 10 years doing this and we lost so-and-so in the eighth year. And it's it's like this epic quest. It's it's one of the most epic things that happens in the Circle of Magic. It feels like it's like the Lord of the Rings and they went on this journey <laughs> to like find them hidden in a cave. <laughs> it's all just science. It was very science. Yeah. I remember thinking that while I was reading it. I was like, this sounds like real science, right? Where you're like slightly dangerous, involves a lot of equipment that we have to keep washing over and over and over again. And like, you have to be incredibly meticulous in what you're writing down or it doesn't count. Yeah. There's like a bit where somebody like spills something or they almost, that's how Rose Thorne gets, gets it. Yeah, and how Rose Thorne, Rose Thorne gets it. And like that, that I remember that very vividly, just like, I don't know whether I have been scarred in the like, one physical science class I took in high school where it's like you know the yeah the epidemiology and like the science of it felt very obvious I mean obviously very modern like you were saying she clearly did her research and it then just was like and then they were writing with quills or like you know right. and then magic happens <laughs> which I quite I always really enjoy when Tamara Pierce does that and she's like and make it magic there's magic <laughs> Like, yeah, it's all based on, like, real, I guess what you would say, like, following, like, our world's rules, I guess. Yeah. And stuff. It makes sense what they're doing. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll add human essence instead of... And if I human think essence. really hard, the plants will do what I want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I ask nicely, the wind might give me right. the future or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we've established I have very little understanding about how the magic works at the end of the circle opens. That's one of the we had extensive conversations of where Spies was like, this doesn't make any sense. It was like, like, it I'm makes lost. sense to me. It's like, I'm done. I got to tap out. With when the we magic hit the stuff. end of Shatterglass, our little, because like you guys heard how we intro our mm. little thing at the end of Shatterglass was like let's meet the avatar because Triss is, Triss is the avatar, the avatar. <laughs> like yeah, yeah I think that's I I would buy that I would definitely buy that you, you just have to think about an expansive concept of, of weather yes yeah I know you don't agree but that's how I, I think about it <laughs> No, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think I just find that m- more difficult and I am less willing to put in that much effort. <laughs> so I have another question for you guys that is very tangentially related to Breyer's book. Love uh, it. When we're about ready to start a new book, we have Brittany and Goodwin and now also Indy making predictions about what they think is going to happen in the upcoming book. And this usually begins with me giving them three words that somehow describe the book. So like when we did Triss's book, the three words were what like pirates, family, and shriek. Yeah. Um, so Amazing. the three words that Quarant- I picked for Brian. Quarantine sewer diet. 
die. Oh, I mean, like- yeah. <laughs> the la- wait, the last word was diet. Yeah, yeah. So it's quarantine sewer diet, which I didn't realize until after I uttered the three words together <laughs> that it's a phrase. And so we determined that quarantine sewer diet is the crap that you eat when you're in quarantine and you're just like too lazy to actually like cook. So Amazing. what I want to ask you is what was your quarantine sewer diet? Oh man, that's a great question. So I will say because my spouse had broke their leg, I then had to do all of the cooking. And to give you a very brief uh, glimpse of our domestic life, my spouse's family is Italian. They cook Im- much better than I do. Uh, I'm from North Carolina and I can make craft box mac and cheese. That's what I got. Um, and so that was my quarantine sewer diet. Yeah. When, when I realized, oh my God, I literally have to make all of the food because also like restaurants were closed up here. Like I could get delivery, but we only got our like grocery delivery like once every couple weeks. So I like really had to figure out what to do. <laughs> I ended up making this one recipe that I found that I could do that was like Thai meatballs and rice. And it was rice, rice, more rice, more rice, and then meatballs every few days. <laughs> And then we would always order those Entenmann's like chocolate donuts as a treat from the grocery store when we got our delivery, because we were like, you know what? We deserve this. <laughs> Fair so, enough. So I would say rice, oh. my Thai meatballs that I learned how to make and the Entenmann's chocolate donuts. I think for me, the early pandemic caused me to become much more intimately acquainted with all of the fast casual food near my house. (laughs) So I ate a five guys hot dog, like at least twice a week. And they do this thing at five guys where they have Cajun fries, but you can also buy regular fries and then just get them to give you a little dish of the Cajun spice. If you want to be in control of your Cajun level. (laughs) Um, And so that's what I was doing. Uh, especially in the beginning of quarantine. Yeah, I don't know if I could look at Entenmann's chocolate donuts again without being like immediately transported to like For two May seconds, I thought you were talking about the Entenmann's chocolate cake that's covered with like a full inch of white icing. Oh, no. But that is transportative. Yeah. <laughs> Which you can take however you want. Yeah, you, it can transport you to any number of places. To the emergency room. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great question because food also like has such a sense memory to it. I did make ramen one night. I was going to challenge myself because my spouse was high on oxy, (laughs) just like (laughs) so much painkillers. And I was like, they're not going to know if I screw this up too bad, but it did turn out pretty good. Brittany and Goodwin, one of their least favorite things about the Circle Opens Quartet is that there is no more gorse. Oh yeah, full agree. So sad. <laughs> so sad. There is a whole person who does cooking magic, though. That's there true. is, but they're not gorse. Her name, but her name is Potcracker, which is which is fantastic. pretty cool. But she's still not gorse. <laughs> so good. I feel like Gorse and Elena Potcracker are like the two scales on the balance. Like <laughs> you're a little bit a combination of both. Yeah, yeah. she's the Gordon Ramsay. 
Yes. And he's like Julia Child or something. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is a side note, but by uh, the the job I just left, one of the drivers and I actually had a conversation about uh, Julia Childs and Gordon Ramsay. So we're like, you know, anybody could be Julia Childs because Julia Childs is a good cook. But not very many people can be Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> yeah. I, I use the finally some delicious effing food gif all the time. You're allowed <laughs> to curse on this podcast. Okay, great. Finally, some delicious <laughs> fucking food. Yeah. Finally. Oh, heck, my ears. <laughs> oh, no, they're bleeding. If we um, first curse, I wouldn't be here because <laughs> I say fuck a lot. And he's like, I wouldn't, I would be elsewhere on my Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> I do love horse. I think that's sort of what we discovered, at least about the Circle Opens Quartet as we were reading is like, you know, individually, the books have their strengths and weaknesses, and we enjoyed more of them over others. But like a lot of what we learned to love about the Circle the winding circle temple just like isn't there which was a choice i mean i said this in our episode but i'll say it again it's like can i get one scene where all four of them are together again yeah like in person one time i don't care (laughs) if i have to wait till shattered glass to do it but just like one time please Um, however Brittany and goodwin were very happy that curl was also absent (laughs) (laughs) i figured as much yeah it's okay to be wrong about things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went back and reread the books after uh, getting to like the third book in the second quartet. And then going back and rereading them. I don't have a problem with Carol anymore. I think what I had a problem with is we didn't have really like someone to be mad at. And then the <laughs> in these other books, like you have. Lady Zanadia, you have... It's pretty uh, clear who the bad guy is. Yeah, you have people that you can actually be mad at. You don't really have that in the first quartet. So it's It's like, the people doing the murders. frustration out on somebody. It's like, hmm, who do I dislike? It's the mass murderers. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So going back and rereading, I was like, okay, I know what to expect in the future now. So Kirill's not so bad now. Yeah. you find it funny that you you latched on K- to Corel, but you did not latch on to Crane of all people, <laughs> or Polyam. Yeah, she's like I don't Polyam, like Polyam literally. But at the beginning, she's literally like, "I won't talk to you because you are not human." Yeah, and Brittany's like, "Well, that's her culture, you know." But <laughs> Carol is just a terrible. Just no, shows up is like no, it's no. baby. It's what he does. I, I wish I baby. I wish I had my poster board. I really do. Yeah, I just, I think Carol's the worst character in the entire book, in the entire series, actually. Just the whole, the whole, all of it. Truly the, the circle worst. opens, I know he's there somewhere. <laughs> Goodwin's like, I know he's there. He's probably like, helping the DNRs like he, and magic yeah. steps. Yeah, he, yeah, he's been behind every murder in the entire series. <laughs> That's some like what's that what's that show? It's always sunny where the guy is his like his murder board. Where yes, Charlie. <laughs> the cons- yeah, the conspiracy murder board. Yes. Yeah. That's I, some I like galaxy my, brain. That's some galaxy brain shit. Yeah, the pins with names. Yeah. It all leads back <laughs> to Carol. It's all yeah. Kiro. It's all Kiro. I think we talked a little bit about like Lady Zanadia was like our just mm. top t- 
tier. Well, this lady's not here, Ben. I was going to say, you have a lot of feelings about how terrible Ben is. Yeah, that's true. I think Ben is probably my... I think Lady Zanotti is worse. Yeah, I think now it's sort of day to day. It can it can change for me. I think it was like the sheer unhingedness of ladies and Nadia being like, I'm a rich, you know, whatever. And I get my kicks like throwing money at these poor people. She's just bored. She has nothing going on. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to. Have gangs go against each other just right. I, like, I would murder some children for fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm going That's to cause it. children murder on purpose. It's like okay. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> at least yeah. Ben had some redeeming qualities. He not a lot, but I mean, at least he had some. Yeah, ladies and Nadia didn't have any. Yeah, it's very much a cool motive <laughs> still murder situation, and ladies and Nadia doesn't even have a cool motive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for me ben is scarier than lady zanadia yes. because i find possible yeah it feels more possible and there's also such a the warping of this man who like it started from those i think mostly good place uh, his wife and kid died in a fire yeah. i'm i'm sort of pulling this off the top of my head there are these little hints that maybe that wasn't always the case and there's such a warping now of like now I am the important one and people should respect me because I can do these things. And so like, I'm going to cause fires on purpose so that people will see like that is scarier to me than just like that person yeah. is evil and bored and like doesn't value human life. Us, we were saying that like, we compared it kind of like to Harry Potter where ladies mm-hmm. and Nadia would be like Voldemort. And like more chain would be umbrage because she's more uh, she's more like a person that you would know in society. Mm. For me personally, I think more chain is worse than Ben. I mm. I do not like more chain at yeah. all. I was more chain's his mother, have right? Conversation mm-hmm. about more chain and Ben because we discussed this our four uh, at the end of Cold Fire. And Brittany and Indy and I were all like, yeah, I kind of like more chain less than Ben. And Goodwin's yeah. like. Ben's a mass murderer. Chain's <laughs> a bitch. Chain hasn't killed anyone as far as we know. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you have has- so many chains in your life. How many mass murderers do you know in your life? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but they have not shown themselves to me yet. Chain is an everyday evil. Like, we have to deal mm-hmm. with that person semi-regularly. We all know a Chain. If not multiple, I can think of mine off the top of my head. And I'm pretty sure Brittany knows who I'm thinking of. For me, Ben is kind of cursed with the situation. It does not excuse anything that he did, but he was set up for failure. And when he kind of resorted to violence, as someone who grew up in an abusive household, like I have worked a lot on my anger and my violent tendencies. So like, you can be better. You can do better. Yeah. Also, because I was there, I kind of know that it's very easy to fall down that path. So yeah. like, I have I have a little bit of sympathy for Ben. It's still kind of one of those you you murdered a lot of people, dude. Cool like, motive, still murder. <laughs> cool motive, yeah. still murder. Many yeah, of them were children attending a birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Good. But, I think it's just because of like personal experiences. Like mm. I, I personally just it's a more it's a more relatable 
Yeah. I was going to say it's more human. It's a real, he's a complex villain. He's an interesting villain. He yes. enriches the story because he's this kind of complicated. Mm. Yeah. And I think that that's what Tamara Pierce does really well in this series. Um, and, you know, over her other series that I think Joan and I, we talked about quite a lot is like she, when she sets her mind to it, she can craft really interesting villains who you can see the steps to how they got there. Like sometimes they're, you know, in her Tortal books, Duke Roger, where it's just like a mustache twirling, like, yes, I'm a villain. Ha ha. I look fabulous and I'm evil, which is also delightful. I want to be the king. <laughs> yes. There's people in my way. But then you also have the situation with Maura Chain and Ben, where I think I agree that it's more this situation where you are exposed to such an incessant toxicity and something that is so insidious that's the word I'm looking for it burrows its way into your brain and it's just there you know and I think that Tamara Pierce does a really good job of seeing of showing us both how Maura Chain is with Ben but then also how Maura Chain is with Ooh, is it Jory? Jory. It's one of yeah, yeah. Jory. with one of the young the young daughters who and she's lovely. And Jory says she was always really nice to me. Seeing the gradations of <clears throat> Mora Chain and like the different faces that she shows to everyone, and seeing the different faces that Ben showed to everyone around Kugisko, that <laughs> I, I still think Ben makes as the villain of Cold Fire, and then also as Mora Chain the sort of context that we get for Ben a little like more scarier to me than Lady Zanadia who to be fair also real scary yeah woman's got Uh, bodies as her fertilizer in her garden she's like what make what makes my garden grow corpses that scene of like discovering the bodies always stood out to me like when we it was the only thing I remembered about the book (laughs) When we got to that point, that scene, and then the one where Briar just like fucking trees a dude, like <laughs> that's what I was just thinking about. The one that sticks with me is the one where Briar throws the seed ball behind him and then just like flexes and kills the guy. And the person he's looking at is like, I gotta go. He's like, deuces. I gotta leave. <laughs> that was kind of the scene that always stuck out for me. And I mean, and I think it's because I am a plant person. My grandmother had a garden of roses i mean like she had 17 different varieties of roses wow i remember going out there every summer and like helping put down blood meal and all of the stuff into the soil to help make the flowers so like when i was younger and that scene came up i was like huh grandma this i know what this is (laughs) that tracks actually yeah this this was definitely briar's villain book i was glad that he was on our side because he was cold like oh my goodness he comes fairly close to killing the girl with the rose allergies yes it was a token of his love i'm like oh goodness she's an anime villain she did try to kill him. Good so. <laughs> one's oh like, to be fair. Of, it was kind of self-defense. I mean, not really, but kind of. <laughs> I mean, it so, started off as self-defense, but then it took a little far. Our little baby children are all grown up and causing murders. Yeah. yeah. Sandry's murder, also very brutal. 
Yo, that's like, I, I think Magic Steps was one where I didn't remember most of it because I had read it. I think that was the only Circle Opens book I had read like as a youth before I read them all when we were going through the series. And I was like, I mean, yeah, there's murder, but like, I don't really remember anything about it. And I was like, this shit gets dark, y'all. Like she unmakes a man. Mm -hmm. just like the only thing i remembered about magic steps going into rereading it is the part where pascal has to point his toes into the four corners of the fishing net because i was like how how does that work cannot visualize what this means (laughs) but i agree that like there's something really the villains in that book can bamf from place to place like they're invisible Mm. and that it's part of what makes them scary and the like the fact that what makes them invisible is also what's leeching of the, them of their humanity mm. um, I think is interesting and then the reveal at the end of it being a child yeah Ooh. yeah I, and I remember like I don't think they ever give him a name right like just it's just mage. like the mage yeah where it's like that child who you know, I think is like sort of Pasco's age, like could have been Pasco mm-hmm. is such has been stripped away by the drug that I can't remember. Dragon salt? Dragon salt. Yes, Dragon Salt. I was like, salt is somewhere in there. That well, he was mutilated by pirates. Yeah. He didn't have any legs. Yeah. And then it was like kept they kept feeding him dragon salt to keep him copacetic with all the bad stuff <laughs> that was going on. Yeah, to have that be your series opener, like what a boss move! Yeah, like, listen up, Scholastic in two thousand and two. Let's like, go. It goes. It goes <laughs> from like feel good found family to holy shit! What the fuck? Yeah, it's murder an entire family, including the maid and children. Yeah, it's a weird. And then weird. we're gonna put yeah. the disembodied head hanging from the ceiling where everyone can see it. And this is all because somebody walked in front of somebody else. Do you want to dance about it? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so we live in Arkansas, pretty close to Branson, Missouri. And in Branson, there's a big amusement park theme park called Silver Dollar City. And one of their roller coasters is called the Powder Keg. And it's called the Powder Keg because instead of doing the normal roller coaster thing where you go around a couple of curves and then it goes up a big hill and then down, it just shoots you off at like some miles per hour right from the start. That is kind of what Tamara Pierce books feel like. (laughs) Like powder keg does. You do go around the curves, but then you just, without warning, speed up. Yeah, that's a great analogy. She definitely silver kegs her way through this series. <laughs> like, I think there's more s- other books and other series that are perhaps more powder keggy than others, but this one is maybe yeah. top powder keg. Yeah. The thing that struck me about reading Magic Steps, so we read Briar's book at the very beginning of 2021. And so when we were reading Magic Steps, it was like we'd been in quarantine for a year and we mm. were starting that maybe we can come out of quarantine thing Mm -hmm. and so what really stuck with me was the metaphor of darkness in general and the unmagic in particular for depression 
and how Sandry like is feeling isolated because all of her friends are gone and she's dealing with this depression. And I was like, oh my God, we are still reading about the pandemic. Yeah. I wish that Sandry had gotten to do some cool traveling stuff like her friends did. Um, I think it's one of those restrictions on her life that kind of like shows up because of her family that she can't find her way out of. Um, And we talked a fair amount about how like being friends with the other three lets Sandry do things she would never otherwise be allowed to do. Mm. Whether that's whatever, like go learn magic, um, you know, go to the forest fire district or like um, go to Namorn at all. Mm. Go learn weaving. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, Sandry and Sandry's, the two Sandry-focused books, I think was also something that we talked about. I think they suffer for being the first in the series because they then, like, have to give us the formula for the rest of the book, or for the rest of the series, rather. So, like, Sandry's book is where the four kids meet in the Circle of Magic books, and we're figuring out, we're becoming friends in that book. And then Magic Steps, I think, was okay, they're all going traveling and Sandry, they're all by themselves and they all have to take on a student. And also also there's murder. Also murders. Um, (laughs) And I... It's such a weird formula. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, and I think that they suffer for that a little bit just because I, I too want Sandry to like be able to do cool traveling and you know have her own adventures but um and in the absence of that i want sandry to like become the queen (laughs) yeah right Right? like Like, put her in charge or let her do cool stuff (laughs) vedris get your stuff together just name her as an heir get it over with let sandry be the duchess of of emelon like come on we all know you're gonna do it anyway so just right do it Right, apparently, I, your son go, is terrible. We don't even meet him, but apparently he's terrible. He's terrible. Get you can go. Picture. You can go retire to an island with Yasmine. Like have a beautiful, girlfriend. like mid to late life romance with a beautiful dancer. Like, what a dream! God, I wish that were me. Right? Like, <laughs> I, that sounds great. Yeah. There was a post that went up on Tumblr a while ago, and we occasionally quote it. I think. But it was something along the lines of like, imagine uh, Sandry becomes the Duchess of Emelon, and then there's some man somewhere who's like, that girl bit me when we were <laughs> 10 years old. <laughs> well, just imagine yeah. that. I, I was bitten <laughs> by, by the, the Duchess, Duchess of Emelon. <laughs> and you know what? Even as Duchess, she'd probably be like, you deserved it. Yeah, yeah, or like, yeah, my uniform got unraveled by the Duchess of Amelon. And Sandry is like, yeah, bitch, and I'd do it again. Yeah, <laughs> like, go again? Let's go. Let's go. Which I do, that is my favorite thing about San- Sandry, is that she will fight you. When it goes down, it goes down. When it goes down, it goes down. He's not afraid to throw hands. <laughs> yeah. I like the story we get in Magic Steps about when Vedris is sick 
and Sandry mm. wants to go talk to him and they're not letting her in. And so finally she just like unravels all of the fabric in the entire room and wraps everyone up in it. She's like, no, no, this is not how this goes today. <laughs> you are going to bring something and you'd be best to uh, remember it. Yeah, right. It's so good. Yeah, so I, you know, I think I do actually looking back on it and while we were, while I was listening to our episodes, it's like, I do actually really enjoy these books like there wasn't one that I didn't like rereading or reading for the first time um you I like, know, like them better as an adult than I did as a kid I agree I also like them a lot better as an adult and like I enjoyed Shatterglass a lot too like we haven't really touched on Shatterglass that much but like I think Cold Fire is my favorite but Shatterglass I really enjoy like I love watching Tris and Kath in the same room like Tris having to finally like and like interact with someone who is more similar to her than perhaps she realizes i shipped them so hard (laughs) (laughs) they would they would just cause lightning everywhere (laughs) it would be a beautiful thunderstorm (laughs) they get married because sparks fly yes uh but i'm that's so funny i don't think that would work out at all (laughs) (laughs) they literally hate each other and also he's like twice her age that old he's He's like six years older than her yeah it's less than dane and she's 14 it's it's weird like in the book if they would like have gotta wait till will of the empress when they're 18 and then she's had (laughs) then they can get married and And then then the fan fiction begins with (laughs) trace returning (laughs) to He's originally Thanatos from the Morn. They've gone to the Morn. They'll meet up there, meet up there, and they'll start their beautiful. Oh yeah, Keth is like from Kugisco, mm-hmm. or right. like he's from the Morn. Yeah, I forgot so about he's that. He's from the Morn, so she might accidentally run into him while she's up there. So hey, it's been hey. so long. How are you doing? <laughs> Keth's uncle is like the the Empress's imperial glassblower, or something like that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. I, I remember discovered... liking that in Shatterglass being like, oh, I've heard of that place. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. where it is. I know what's happening. Tharios, that's the city. I was like, Thanatos, what's it called? I don't know. <laughs> Thanos. <laughs> I remembered it with my brain. I mean, Thanos and Tharios aren't way off from one another. <laughs> Listen, of all of the places, Tharios is probably the most... <laughs> thanos-esque i don't know it feels right to me they're all about control yeah control purity i could very much see thanos showing up and being like we need to kill 50 percent of the people and like you have a point easy done (laughs) i'd be like that makes sense (laughs) yeah (laughs) i will refuse to touch any of their bodies so that will be your problem afterwards (laughs) yeah but he'd be like they'll just disappear and they're like great let's do it yeah pure all the way down let's go i do Gross. actually now that we're in yeah now that we're in Shatterglass, i do appreciate that this is the book where like in every fantasy book i've ever read i always remember i i was doing a book panel for work a billion billion trillion years ago with fantasy authors and i asked them like how they did their world building and one of the authors um <clears throat> ryan stafley i think he was like, I build it like ground up. 
who takes out the trash like how does the traffic work like the really nitty-gritty of the fantasy world or fantasy city and i really appreciated in shatterglass that was like this is how the trash gets taken out in this city this is how the the sewage gets treated or like has goes elsewhere like you know there's horses everywhere where does that go and then when it stops is when they're like yeah now we have a bargaining chip and i was like yes collective action (laughs) yeah Yeah. in the beginning there's this part where tris like invites one of the street sweepers into dinner i think yeah or she like tries or she tries to talk or like ask for directions talk to somebody she tries to talk to one of them and they're like stop don't do this i don't want this this isn't working which i think is also like like a real thing that happens when you are coming from outside and being Mm -hmm. like I just want to treat you like a person and help. And they're like, you're making it worse. Please go yeah. away. Which, yeah, yeah. It happens to Tris a few times, I think, which I enjoy. Because it's a real situation, right? Like, you yeah. know, I think it's very easy for people to be like, well, this is stupid. I'm going to treat them how I would treat them in Emelon. And it's like, girly, we can't do that. Uh, we gotta- It's more complicated than that. It's complicated. I want Tris to have more friends also. <laughs> yeah. Like she has <laughs> these three friends, but she doesn't get to see them for ages and ages and ages. She has lots yes. of friends. They're books. called books. They're yeah. called books. They're called books. <laughs> well, she has Chime now, who is not a human. Alas. Curly <laughs> <laughs> uh, does, might need some more human friends. And I think, she, I think she should yes. have another friend who's like as dangerous as her. Right? That's going to yeah. be hard to find. I know, mm-hmm. but like we need whoever is in charge of the tides to be Tris's friend. <laughs> the moon, yeah, right. the moon. <laughs> right. My girlfriend turned into the moon. <laughs> it's rough, buddy. rough, buddy. Avatar. So like, <laughs> yeah. Listen, there. at the end of Shatterglass, she might as well be the Avatar because like Tris yeah. is the one where I I can't with her. <laughs> magic (laughs) but i'm happy that she has it that's hilarious because the thing that confuses me about tris at the end of shatter glass is as a person with extremely curly hair it doesn't go into multiple braids like i don't know what the hell she's talking about that doesn't happen you have to have a different set of ancestry than tris to have (laughs) curly hair that goes into braids that goes into braids that's hilarious tamra pierce did her a lot of research going into like pandemics and such, but not yeah. curly hair. Didn't so. talk to anyone. Great <laughs> sounds good. Hair. I mean, fine. Maybe she like had to straighten all of her hair, all the magic in it, and then. Bloop, 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 bloop. Yeah, I got two words for you: magical conditioner. Magical conditioner, ah, which she does cool. use. Yeah, it would make more sense if it was like twists. Maybe, th- me- yeah, maybe that's what With little rocks on the end little drops of water that would be cute that would be cute and cute. then you can like then you can pin those up mm-hmm. and out of your out of your face listen Tamara, we've got some suggestions one note <laughs> one note <laughs> well several notes actually but first of all <laughs> starting with this, talk with this. Oh, bro, oh, curly hair what I, I do know people with curly hair who did the well we're just cutting all this off thing that Tris does earlier in the story yeah that's what she does in in what Daja's book yeah she's like no thank you 
It's like, get it off. Okay. Get it off. So yeah, now that y'all have read the Circle Opens books, do y'all have a favorite of the four or something that you wish had happened in the in the books? I discovered on this read that Shatterglass is definitely my favorite of the four. And I think it's my third favorite in the whole series after The Will of the Empress and Battle Magic. And I like The Will of the Empress because damn, and I like Battle Magic for superficial reasons. I'm just going to admit that. Um, but uh, those count. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> absolutely. I can't. Listen, Raoul of Golden Lake is my favorite in Tortal because he's Amen. hot. <laughs> Listen, uh, Frostpine, similar. Uh, <laughs> and, the and so, girls. I don't know. I mean, I love the banter between Triss and Keth. I mm. love the world. I love the way she writes it. It feels incredibly cinematic to me. Like, I can just visualize it so well. I honestly really, really like Dema. And I love the journey that he goes on. And the fact that the story is made more complex by having his character grow and change as much as the the circle kid and the student because mm. that doesn't happen in the others um he's the ins- he's the inspector the right police. okay yeah, yeah. they're and not called police but you the, know the yeah he's the police the cops the great the fantasy cops. police the fantasy cops and i i don't know exactly what it is but yeah just I was so excited to get to this one. I think Keth's also like my favorite of the students, Mm. um, which I have this whole thing that I've talked about over and over on our podcast about how I, when I was 14 reading this book, uh, I thought Keth was quote, an old man. (laughs) And now I'm reading it. I'm like, oh, he's 20. Uh, he is but like, a child it literally states that he is 20 uh, infant. So <laughs> uh, but i i love how that changes the dynamic and i love his character and how how he is different than he probably would have been were he a kid i don't know it's just I was very excited going into it. And then like, as we were reading, I was like, yeah, yeah. You know what? I just really like this book. That's awesome. Yeah. I know when we got done reading Shatterglass, we talked about uh, how with the other three books in the quartet, things happen and then they solve the problem and then life continues. With the end of Shatterglass, you don't get to see what happens after what goes down. Mm. It'd be interesting to have a follow-up book to find out what happens, and not necessarily with uh, Tris or Keth or any of them, just to know what happened afterwards. In I Tharios, think you mean? Fascinating. Hmm? Mm-hmm. In Tharios, you mean? Like yeah, what happened in, in the city? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I wish we would have seen more of what happened afterwards. We want to see the Prathmuni union. Yes. Yes. Unionize. We know my opinions. I still have a a, a soft spot for our anime villain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I but that's the thing. I really like it's hard to articulate why I like that one so fucking much. Street magic? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's because like the visuals of it are just mm. gorgeous. 
and like we we get a lot of good world building with the other books and like this is something I I comment just like on little lines just throughout the chapters there's just so much world building in such a small it's it's very concise very tight and just I love it so much that said uh with rereading it I'm gonna be honest cold fire is probably my favorite this time around and I think that's because of how much I've grown since the first time I read it Mm. because it is kind of that oh hey that could have been me Mm. (laughs) I could have done that I I really like all of them on their own Mm. and I do feel like for older readers I feel like this would definitely be a good place to like be like pick up any of these four Mm. it gives you all the information you need to know yeah about the previous four just pick and then if you're intrigued about these siblings that you never see good news there's more books (laughs) yeah exactly like i i feel like any of these would be a good starting point except for shattered glass because shattered glass is probably the most independent of all of them like we still have ties back like sandry is mentioned in cold fire like writing letters and then i believe the same thing is with uh in street magic Mm -hmm. you mentioned briar makes an appearance in all of them i just distinctly remember that i don't remember who gets mentioned where else but i remember noticing briar is in in magic steps and cold fire and shattered glass so like he's her favorite yep yeah (laughs) shit (laughs) her boy (laughs) But, like, I, I do feel like Shattered Glass is one of those, like, you need a lot more context for. Because mm-hmm. if you just walk in on Triss, you're like, oh. Who's right. this avatar? Yeah. Why lightning? Yeah. yeah. You're, you're just like, <clears throat> what the fuck, guys? Like, and then if you would go back and read the others, like, none of them are quite that powerful and aren't quite like Triss. Yeah. Like mm. the content warning, Triss. That's all I got for you. But yeah, I feel like any of the other three are good standalone, even if you don't know anything about Pierce's writing at all. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I I think Shatter Glass is one of those. It is the best written book out of the entire. Like, I, I think out of the entire eight books, I think that is the best written book. Disagree. Personally. Huh? <laughs> I said disagree, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah, it, it, it's not my absolute favorite. I, I mm. say that, but like it is kind of one of those I do feel like it is incredibly well written. She always hits a stride with the last book. Mm. Yeah, Briar's book, she really got it down and everything was just very like cohesive and you didn't really need a lot of outside influence to like... I feel like that's the same way with Shatterglass. I think that like through the eight books, like she's really sat there and developed all of these characters and have really like thought about them and their motives and who they are to make them human. She hits that stride in Shatterglass. For me, the standout of both quartets is the one that stars Daja. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way. I, do. I know yeah. a lot of people who Dodge's book and Cold Fire are their favorites. Yeah. yeah like Cold if Fire. you were really going to make me pick only three, 
it would be Dasha's book, Cold Fire, Will of the Empress, which is just like an all Dasha story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Dasha arc. to have her siblings in it. <laughs> right. like the first four, uh, the first quartet, I would have to say the one that stands out the most for me is Briar's book, and that's only because we read it through a pandemic. But <laughs> listen, the ending of Briar's book kicks ass. It's oh my so God. good, so much. Briar's it's book- so good. What's Sign me up three, every time. Yeah. The other three books is like, okay, we get to the last three chapters. Okay, so the thing is about to happen. The thing happens, and then the thing is resolved. With Briar's book, it was like the middle of the book, Flick dies. Like, oh my gosh, that was so traumatic. So hopefully, the rest of the book is fine. <laughs> We're eat. Hopefully, it's all fine. Yeah. Guess <laughs> what? Yeah. Revenant Rose Thorn, baby. Yeah. I know. But can, was, can we talk I about was, the whole time I was like, I came here because y'all were telling me these are feel good books. So <laughs> I came here for a good time and people are dying. This is not fun. It's or just a like, prequel because then you read up. the next four and so many people die. So many yeah. people die. So like they tricked me into being in this podcast of feel goodness <laughs> and now it's just death. <laughs> I came here to read, not to feel. I have a lightning question for y'all. Favorite yeah. non-main character in the Circle Opens Quartet? Mine is Haluda Salt, because she's a bad bitch and I love her. I kind of want to name two. Uh, one is Serge from Cold Fire, because he's basically he a Santa Claus. Like, there's a description of him where he's like dressed in like a red fur, like like a red coat with white fur trim or something i'm like amazing oh my god surge is santa claus amazing uh, and then of course because he has to be mentioned on this podcast wolfric snaptrap yes <laughs> and <laughs> i i love that buffet table just as much as you do my friend okay i loved it so much that, like the great dane's name is wolf rick <laughs> because we had this conversation i, I want him to have a daughter named to him Yes. Yeah, so we had in between, so we, we've we got like a break in between Shatterglass and the Will of the Empress. So this episode is actually going to drop between that, in that break. One of the episodes that we did in the break was a eulogy. And so we had a eulogy for Yali, which was like actually like heartfelt. And then we had a eulogy for Wolfric. And the eulogy for Wolfric includes the fact that the completely fictional fact as if he's not fictional, made up by me. Metafictional. An extra fictional fact. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that he has a daughter named Venus because Rain. I just Snapchat. want Venus Snapchat to be a person. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And we're all going to meet him in the buffet in the sky. Yes. <laughs> Where do I sign up for that religion? Yeah. Okay, listen, I would rather have Rose Thorn's garden. Yeah. No, but- I... I mean, buffet in the sky is one way of describing Valhalla. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, but now I have like Vikings and the K and W in my brain, and let me tell you, my esteemed what a warriors, g- what I g- offer you all you can eat, all you can eat rolls and baked beans. I think there's actually only one scene where we like see him eating, but literally he's at. Duke Vedrises and they're having this conversation and then something happens and he's like are, are you going to eat those cookies? <laughs> and I was like this is such a mood. This man. <laughs> Amazing. Excellent. Excellent choices. Uh, 
I also appreciate um, Goodwin and Brittany were kind of making fun of his name at some point, and I couldn't find it for the for our highlight episode, but they, they were making fun of his name and like, well, for snap trap, like, what's he gonna do? Like, put a bear trap and like lay a bear trap and put like some dragon salt in there. Perfect. Well, was it was that me or you? Was that you, Brittany? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was you. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just and like, well, you're him. not wrong. Yeah. Amazing. Exquisite. Yeah. Like what, what got me was uh, when uh, Sandry's like, we're going to snap that trap on him. And I'm like, I see, I see, what, you, I see what you did. Uh, so Goodwin, favorite uh, non-main character from the Strickle Ovens? Uh, I want to say Chime, because I can just imagine how pretty flying, living, basically see-through dragon would be. Goodwin always no. picks the non-human characters. I love it. I love it. Oh, like, that's true. Huh? Oh, yeah, I picked the Shackam one. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> when we did our recap for for Sandry's book, like mm-hmm. it had originally just been me and Brittany and Indy. And so the three of us did the recap and one of the things was like, who's your favorite character? Mm-hmm. And so we brought Goodwin in and he read that book separate. And so then we just kind of talked to him. We had a separate episode where we talked to him about it. And then he joined in with the rest gotcha. of Trish's book. And so we're like, who's your favorite character? And he was like, I like the shack in. And we were like, it's the tree. We did not even consider that. <laughs> we feel so less creative. <laughs> I, so, so something I'm about my predict, brain being smooth makes me creative. I don't know what to say. I'm I'm gonna predict that your favorite character from the last three books is gonna be Lupo. <laughs> Mine is um person that does a rescues from the asylum wing. The scarecrow guy. Scarecrow guy. Yes. yes. Yeah. And he's that like, guy. I'm crazy, but I'm not as crazy as these crazy people. <laughs> Yeah. going back into the fire no thank you one and they say i'm crazy yeah <laughs> brady how about you um i'm gonna have to go with ladies and nadia because i aspire to be her that's why i have two <laughs> kids make a fight <laughs> no, no i'm just kidding, kidding. brady's like i'm going into my villain era <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with Tarad. I really like Tarad. He was the ugly man that was really sweet to everyone. He he's really really Which cute. Was that? He was Cold in a uh, Cold Fire. I don't everyone, everyone, it was the uh, blacksmith that um, oh Gondo yes, yes. Was working for. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I really do like know. him. Um, everyone, he looked like a monster, but uh, everyone knew the monster man had a heart of gold. It was really cute. And then uh, uh, the people that she was staying with too, uh, Cole and what, what's Bobby. his wife's name? Frostbite's like college friends. Matagi. Yeah. I yeah. really like them. They're really cute too. Yeah. And they go out of their way to help people, which is really awesome. So. That's and great. it's hilarious that they're Frostbite's college roommates. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, listen, we got up to some shit when we were in school. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Now we're trying to raise very magical teenagers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also really liked Tarad, but because that whole scene with uh, the guy showing up with the letter and Tarad's like, eat, just 
fucking eats. We'll <laughs> my wife makes too much food. Help me, please. <laughs> eat. Always good. Do you guys have any upcoming projects you guys want to plug? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I actually, I, would- I, I do actually have one. So I am um, the technical editor of a podcast called Miss Shelved, which is a bunch of indie booksellers and they interview a bunch of different authors um, for each episode. And I did an interview with author Tasha Suri. Um, she wrote, she writes sapphic fantasy, epic fantasy based on like Indian mythology and Indian culture. Um, and I did an interview with her yesterday that should be going up in the next few weeks. So that is a project that I have upcoming. That's really cool. The other podcast that I work on is called Q and Abe, and it is a more, much more serious and inquisitive history podcast, but I do think it's pretty good. Um, if you want to listen to our Emmeline material, the backlist. Yeah. Yeah. We are at tortlepodcast.com. Yeah. And also on Spotify as well, or mm-hmm. various podcast, yeah, um, under Tortalan Nights, um, with, but a K. The, with a K, Tortalan, K-N-I-G-H-T-S, um, but all of our Emelon uh, content is uh, after all of the Tortal content, so have a listen there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you all. Thank you for having us again. Thank you for putting up with me sounding like a a wizened old crone. (laughs) It's also just great to be able to say the phrase, you know how terrible Lady Zanadia is to people and have them get it. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely have to have you back once we finish completely. All the Emelon. All the Emelon material. And then I will not have to worry about whether I've done any spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like the show, tell your friends about us. If you don't like the show, tell your enemies. You can also help people find us by leaving a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Find all our episodes at our new home on ACAST, shows.acast.com slash Reading Circle Temple. Shake it us. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com. You can also follow Reading Circle Temple on Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. And you can join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. To find us on Twitter, tweet at Reading Temple. A special thanks to Yellow is for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their art by following Yellow is for Happy Draws on Tumblr and Shannon and Draws on Instagram. Another special thanks to Brittany's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic. And thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. Oh, no. I think Molly just... Did we lose Molly? We did. Molly, can you hear me? (laughs) Molly, come back. There's work to be done here, not in the garden. Come back. (laughs) Guys, Molly might have gone to the Valhalla K&W in the sky. (laughs) 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.